3: or visit wynn to start winning.
1: You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge.
3: So, welcome in. It is the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. Zach Kelberman. Zach, Pat Shermer dug his heels into the turf, stuck to his proverbial guns on the notion that the Denver Broncos, on that fateful fourth and two, that there was no miscommunication on this play, <laughs> despite, and here's the screenshot, courtesy of Zach on Twitter. Follow Zach on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL. Javante Williams literally throwing his hands on the air with, what was it, Zach? Three ticks left. I'll, I'll pull up the quote, but your, your thoughts. I mean, scroll down. I think there's four seconds left, and it's ticking down to
2: three. I mean, they're ready to snap the ball, and Javante, his body is facing the sideline. I mean, how can Pat Shermer go up there and say there's no confusion and the play was run properly and there was no miscommunication? Look at that. Javante has no idea what's going on. And you know what? Any other any other head coach, I don't care if you're Bill Belichick or Dan Campbell, they would have called time out in that situation. If you see your running back facing you with three seconds left on the play clock in enemy territory on fourth and two, a crucial situation, you don't call time out there. That's once again a further indictment on Fangio as a coach, but as Pat Shermer, I mean, just a horrible professional to outright lie to the media, lie to the Broncos fan base, lie to everyone by saying that's how it should be run, well, then you might have a problem, Pat, if that's how your offense should be run, when your running back is three yards off from the backfield facing the sideline. It's one hand never knows what the other is doing, Chad, and that's the sad part, what's going on with the Broncos coaching staff.
3: Hey, Coach Shermer, was there any miscommunication during that fourth and two? Quote, there was nothing miscommunicated. The play was run. We probably just didn't quite execute it as well as we'd like. That's all. Hey, Coach, what about Teddy Bridgewater or anyone on the sideline? Maybe you should have called a timeout. We were lined up properly based on what we planned to do. On this play, certainly we could execute from the gun or under center. we just got to do a better job. That's all, close quote. That's called yeah. – uh, That's like the river in Egypt, right? Denial. Or it's just straight up like, you know, trying to, I don't know, just ignore the narrative that has been spun and created in the wake of that. But, yes, Pat Shermer, he's out of ideas, y'all. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tickpick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and
2: Ticket site, Tick Pick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price.
3: That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home Broncos versus Jets, Tick Pick had us locked down. So visit tickpickcom huddle today and use the promo code HUDDLE to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. I mean, his idea, regardless, he's saying there the play could have been run at a shotgun or under center. So
2: the play call, no matter what, was a dive up the middle on 4th and 2. No creativity, no outside-the-box thinking to that. The, the blandest, most vanilla football 101 play there is. Halfback dive up the gut. That's what he called there. So he's further exposing himself, and I literally cannot wait for Black Monday to roll around. That date, which is now thirty. I think it's 33 days now, 31 days. It cannot come any sooner because these guys need to go. They are incompetent, and that's being nice.
3: It's uh, fourth and two, as you mentioned, halfback up the gut. And look at the personnel. Let's see. You got one tight end on the field. This is Tim Patrick, all right, Mm -hmm. who had gone in motion. Jerry, Judy. So you're in 11 personnel, and you're going to try and run against a box that is completely stacked. Yeah. This is exactly when you see how they lined up on you, like forget the miscommunication thing for just a second, like put a pin in that just for a moment. When you saw how the they crowded the line of scrimmage to completely shut down and smother anything that's going to happen between the tackles, you either call a timeout or you're Teddy Bridgewater and you're wise enough to recognize yes. that. And you call an audible yes. that allows freaking Cortland Sutton to come free or whatever, right? Call, call a pass play to exploit the fact that they're all, completely seeing through any ruses of Pat Shermer's completely telegraphing to the Kansas City Chiefs what they're about to do.
2: Yes, it's completely on Pat Shermer for the play call and lying for it. It's on Fangio for not calling timeout when he recognizes, or should, obvious confusion. But everyone hypes Teddy up as this leader and this great steadying presence under center. You don't, like you said, audible there. Play action would have been deadly. Everyone would have bitten on that. They would have gotten a free first down, if not a touchdown. At the very minimum, you don't audible or call a timeout when, again, you see your running back seven yards off to the side of you, waving his hands toward the sideline. So... The Broncos' offensive operation is a failure on multiple parts, but no one's ever talking about Teddy Bridgewater in that. It's always Vic and Pat Shermer getting the blame, as well they should, but Teddy being this great quarterback, the best since Peyton Manning, who has been compared
3: to Peyton Manning, please. And Tom Brady, let us not forget. Please. Let us not forget. Uh, Guys, I know there's a lot on your mind. We're going to get to it here in just a moment. Well, actually, let's grab one or two Super Chats for the people who got in early. Like Max Power... Who uh two nights in a row jumped in early. Appreciate you, bro. That's crazy. He says uh that's crazy. No Max way. Ca- uh, saw Zach Stevens. Uh say trade Javante Sertan and two ones no. for Russ Wilson. No. no chance. No. Yeah, I mean, I'll all due respect to Zach. Got much love and respect for Zach Stevens, but um No. <laughs> why? You don't need to. Why would you give up already what is a hand, A uh, 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 what is it? One hand, one. something with a bush Bird in the bush right yeah one in the hand worth two in the bush right so you've already got two birds there's potentially some other cooler things out there in the bush but there's no way to know for sure and you've already got a quantifiable proven bird in the hand right two of them i'd rather say here take the bush possibilities in the form of draft picks instead of guys that have already shown really early that they're studs we'll go over this zach but it's looking like for russ wilson Couple of ones, probably a couple of twos, and or a, a add into that as kind of a sweetener like a Noah Fant or a KJ Hamler.
2: Yeah, you know, Scott, I know you're a wrestling fan like I was. Why don't you cue up the Vince McMahon theme music? No chance in hell. That's exactly what I'm saying to that trade scenario. You're going to give away, like you said, foundational draft picks, but also foundational players, your best cornerback and your best running back. I mean, that's possibly your best corner since Champ Bailey and your best running back since Clinton Portis at the very minimum, Chad. So why would you give away those major pieces on offense and defense, by the way, for a quarterback that's not your super long-term answer, going on his age 34 season, kind of taking a downturn this year, Two ones is, like you said, a bitter enough pill to swallow.
3: When you add on foundational players to
2: that, it makes it untenable for me. Get a rookie quarterback.
3: We'll grab Yvonne real quick and then handle some matters of business. Yvonne says, once again, Shermer doesn't care or doesn't know what's happening with his comments. He should be gone. His time's a coming, gang. His time is a coming. You can count on that. Uh, There's only so many grains of sand left in the old hourglass for Pat Sure. But guys, uh, before we get into what's, I mean, lots of comments, lots of supers, stars, obviously lots of topics on your mind. All right. Um, A couple other. Well, actually, let's go right back into the chat. Tony. Hey, this is the second one. I can remember from uh, Tony dropping in a super chat, so appreciate you. Welcome. Appreciate that you also came back, my friend. He says, what's up, Chad and Zach? Lifelong Broncos fan from Plano. Big D. Would love Wilson at quarterback for us. I know he's 33, but he's got work ethic, and I see many years left in him. Russell plus an offensive head coach equals wins. Go get him and it sounds like there's like a diesel backing up into Zach's uh, I think I'm being invaded Chad (laughs) it sounds like an alien's about to take over Mars attacks right now for Zach Keldman but (laughs) (laughs) what's your reaction here for for Tony here on the idea of pairing Russ with an offensive-minded head coach well, you know, I saw a Photoshop that was uh, Russell Wilson and Doug Peterson kind of shaking hands post game.
2: That looked kind of decent. That would sell me a lot more than uh, Russell Wilson and Dan Quinn would being a defensive coach. But I still think, regardless, you need his his long-term backup at least in the picture at some point in the near future. I admit he has the work ethic. I admit there's maybe a few years left of mid to top level play, but I don't think you're getting that vintage classic Russell Wilson anymore, especially in a second destination. Except for Peyton Manning, that kind of rarely works out, where a quarterback goes on to attain success at the twilight of his career and walk off into the sunset like Peyton did. So it depends what you give Tom, up. It's Tom, I guess, right, Brady? It's it's Tom Brady though. And again, once again, you know, he's not Tom Brady. He's not Peyton Manning. You know, so, so if if George Peyton has the conviction, if he doesn't think a rookie quarterback is the way to go this year, and he's okay surrendering the capital, not overboard though. I, I trust his judgment. I just think though there's there's a limit to what you give up for 34-year-old Russell Wilson.
3: James Moss, good to see you, my friend. Thank you for the super. He says the coaches don't seem to be coaching for their jobs. Have they been guaranteed another year? Why not change things up? Coaches are the definition of insanity. Guys, these coaches right now, they know the score. They know they're donezo. You know, to use a, a phrase you've heard before, dead men walking, lame ducks. Their hope vanished. You know, like they they still had a little bit of vim and vigor going into that KC game, but how the rest of this season was gonna unfold was very much contingent on how that shook out because you had your team in position week thirteen to win this game. I get it, it's against a Leviathan that you've been unable Zach to vanquish since week two of the twenty fifteen season. But good word. You get this this game, you're in first place, and not only are you in first place, which is important, but that emotional boost, that lift fuels you down the stretch. You're you're probably almost, I mean, I'm not gonna say almost certainly, but you're cruising for a playoff berth. When they failed to uh get their dander up for the Chiefs, yeah. the coaches, Fangio included, they they see the writing on the wall. They've all been at this a long time. I mean, Vic. 35-some-odd years in the league or whatever. Shermer's in his uh, third decade now. He's got 20 years under his belt, or right about there. Ed Donatel, Zach, another freaking lifer, been in it decades. Uh, Mike Shula, decades. Mike Munchak, decades. Bill Kalar decades. Reggie Herring. I mean, the list goes on. These dudes understand the score. The writing's on the wall. There's no question about it. I think you kind of made the point that's worth making here. All they
2: have are football lifers. All they have are these old, crusty, no upside, you know, kind of lower floor coaches like Vic Fangio, a career assistant. Pat Shermer, a twice-fired head coach, Chad, from uh, two failing franchises for the most part in the Giants and the Browns. Uh, So they need some fresh blood. They need infusion of potential, of upside, creativity, out of the box, thinking, vigor, passion, excitement, fight, fire. All of these words have been missing from the Broncos for the last five years now for the most part. They need to get that back in the building. But from each loss, every time the Broncos lose a game, more and more fans of Broncos country are coming around and seeing that the writing has kind of been on the wall longer than this last week it's been on the wall for quite a while now you can argue since the steelers game the cleveland game the philadelphia game the team is not getting better in a lot of ways they're getting worse and these these wins against subpar opponents all they do is get fans hopes up watch what happens on sunday if or when the broncos Take down at home the NFL's worst team in the Lions, and everyone's going to say, oh, playoffs, look at our record, we're still in it, when it's just masking and putting lipstick on a pig that is the Broncos' 2021 outfit. They need to be blown up and excavated and put back together. (laughs)
3: $6 million man style. Hey, guys, real quick, we got the Duchess jumping in. Love you, Michaela. Really appreciate that generosity. That um, I hope you know how much it means to us. Keeping the lights on. At MHH Central, she says, Wilson said the rumors are false. Why do we get associated with every quarterback that's out there, LOL? Of course... Because they don't have one. Well, not only that, but listen, Russell Wilson's not about in the middle of a season. To admit to anybody on the record that he said anything close to that, his teammates would freaking hang him out to dry. Are you kidding me? There's still live bullets left to, to navigate. There's still five games left. So... The fact that if Wilson has acknowledged it, which, Zach, if, the, if he has, that's news to me. Today you he heard did, this? yeah. What yeah. Did he say? He wants to play in
2: Seattle another 20 years, he said, or something like that. He loves the place. He loves the space, he said, whatever that means. Maybe he's talking about the space needle. I don't know. Um, but that's that's the, you know, the counter-public, front-facing PR statement he has to make after that report leaked. Someone in Russell Wilson's camp, though, wanted—I forget who broke the— uh, The uh, story about, oh, Jordan Schultz Schultz. from ESPN. Someone leaked that to him because they want it out there. Then you have to backtrack it in public to make it seem like I'm a good teammate. I wouldn't say that. I don't want that. I want to be where I am. It's fate accomplished right now that he's done in Seattle, that he's playing out the stretch. And all he did by coming out and saying that, as unrealistic as it is 20 more years, is that he doesn't want to have an awkward situation in the locker room for the remainder of the year. That's all he did that for. After the year,
3: he'll be on the phone negotiating and picking out his next home. By the way, real quick, here is a package that, frankly, <clears throat> it's very steep. So you have to really start deciding what's the most important thing, but I think it's as steep as it is, Zach, it's pretty close to probably what reality ends up shaking now. This is from Lance Sanderson at milehighhuddle.com. First-round pick this year, second-round pick this year, third-round pick mm-hmm. this year. So you' what what you gave up or what you got pardon when you gave up Vaughn that's going in the trade to Russ or, or for Russ first rounder next year, second rounder next year and Noah Fant and then look at the Seattle sends <laughs> Russell yeah. Wilson. So it's a it's a steep uh, price to pay Zach and then we'll grab Mark here. if you want to be in the market to have a position like the most important position solved, hey man. It's like the old saying in capitalism, it takes money to make money. If you want that, you got to pony up. you got to pay to play. Man, if you make that trade, you have to be sure that Russell delivers a Lombardi to Doug Valley within the next
2: two, three years, absolute tops. It's all you have left in him going on 34 years old. I think it'll be a package of four draft picks and no players involved. I don't really think that Seattle would want Noah Fant. I I think it'll be two ones and uh, two threes. And I know that might be a little underselling, the aspect of trading Russell Wilson, but you're not trading 23-year-old Russell Wilson. You're trading 33-year-old Russell Wilson. And I think as disgruntled as he is behind the scenes, and I firmly believe he is, I think Seattle knows that, and they're going to do what they can to get the most out of that trade. Unless another team blows them away, I think that's more realistic than thinking a five-pick haul and a player, including a couple
3: second-round picks as well. Mark from Georgia jumping in with a very, very, very generous super chat. Thank you, big dog. You know we love you. Thank you, Mark. He says, uh, the God King Mark says, what's up, my guys? This is for the Duke of Denver. Of course, he's talking about Duke Boynton. What a great dude. Very sorry uh, about the loss. Thoughts and prayers to his family. Yeah, the family did um, get a uh, GoFundMe rolling for uh, Duke Boynton. And his girls, as you can see in the picture here, all right, this is the guy that paid the bills. This is the guy that – Took care of business. All right. And he was alone in that is all I'm going to tell you. All right. So he was their only source of support financially, emotionally, all that stuff. And, uh, they're going to need some help. And so I'm going to, I've already taken some steps myself to, uh, help out the Boyntons. And I've seen many of our, um, community members since we tweeted out the link <clears throat> to their GoFundMe. And I did verify by the way, this is legit. This isn't some, you know, I checked with the family to make sure this is on the up and up, and it is, um, I'm gonna put the the uh, link to this GoFundMe in the chat anything you guys can do I know it's a tough time right now because Christmas and everyone's ponying up yeah. to uh, take care of of Christmas for friends family or family especially if you got kids right but uh, it's a it's a crisis for them and MHH Zach we always take care of our own yeah we try to give back
2: as much as possible and extending to you guys what you've extended to us over the years. It's just crazy seeing that chat. It's so sobering. It's it's so depressing. It's heartbreaking to know that we just talked to him. We've just been in communication with him. He's such a longtime supporter of the brand, of the product, of the podcast. And to look at these pictures, it's just heartbreaking. So, again, guys, yeah, anything you can do for the Boynton family would be appreciated. They need it. And uh, it's going to a good cause because
3: he was a good guy with a good family. Yes, indeed. So, guys, if you can take a look at that, please check it out. And, Mark, appreciate you, big dog. All right. Let's turn back to some football talk here from 727 Mill, What's going on, my friend? He says, watching Teddy makes me want to drink <laughs> cucumber Gatorade. The worst one. Yeah, the worst one. You know, one. I've never
2: tried cucumber Gatorade. Is it that bad? It's as bad as it sounds. I love cucumber. I love Gatorade. I literally just finished one, but it's, it doesn't work well together. It's kind of fake tasting.
3: Dude, I know I, I know, I referenced the other guys on last night's show, the movie, right? But there is a scene in that movie where they go up into some you know, highfalutin office building to meet with an executive ceo type whatever and the uh the uh, secretary delivers them some cucumber water (laughs) and they like go crazy over this cucumber water and ever since then i was like i gotta try this cucumber water and at some restaurant i went to once they served it up like that and i was surprised at it is kind of a weird aromatic thing where even though it's not in the water when you drink because you're smelling it it tastes like cucumber I can only imagine how that might translate to Gatorade, where the flavor is actually in the water.
2: Well, that's the thing, though. I actually kind of think uh, cucumber water is refreshing to a certain extent, but I think when you put it in Gatorade, it's the sugar and the way they process it, all the all the chemicals and stuff they put in there, it doesn't make it taste good, especially
3: when it's warm. Teddy Bridgewater is warm cucumber Gatorade. Lawrence, appreciate that, my friend. Yeah, Duke. Like I said, it's it's Duke. And anytime we've been apprised of anyone in our community that's in need of a true helping hand crisis moments type situations, we want to step up and take care of business. And, and uh, Duke is definitely one of those, one of those members of our community. Lawrence says uh, I've been thinking about Russ and I'd like to bring up the fact that Wilson doing bad because his is doing bad because his team, or is it him, even though I'd love an upgrade again, guys, If you look at the best predictor of the future is the past, right? I'm willing to, especially on the heels, Zach, of a season. Now, maybe this is something you and I differ on, on the heels of a season where he had career highs. If it's not for Aaron Rodgers like truly transcendent 2020 season, right? Russell Wilson probably gets his first MVP last year. That's how good he was. I'm more willing in this particular uh situation to chalk it up to multiple to it being an outlier for multiple reasons. One, unhappy. Why is he unhappy? Two, because his supporting cast sucks and the coaching has somehow gone off a cliff. And three, he injured broke his finger in week 5. So I'm willing to say, look, because I know that the sample size the, the great preponderance, Zach, of the sample size points to points to Russ being legit. I'm not even tripping on, on oh, is he starting to lose it? That's just me. Now, if he was 38 and you start seeing the decline like this, I'd maybe be a little bit more concerned. But oftentimes, it's not absolute. Oftentimes, when you transplant an established quarterback like that somewhere else, where they, they're a little bit disgruntled or whatever, and they're, or just not happy, they get to their new destination. Oftentimes, Zach, it's like a resurrection. It's like a rebirth. It's a new juice. It's a new energy. Like Peyton Manning, for example, his four years in Denver, I mean, he always played at a high level in Indy, but those last three or four years he was in Indy before the Neck really you know, claimed him. He was significantly night and day just more prolific production-wise, more motivated, more honed in. I mean, the Broncos, what they achieved in those four years, a big part of that is because Peyton was kind of reinvigorated, for lack of a better term, and I think that could play out for Russ, whether it's in Denver or somewhere else.
2: Once again, though, comparing Russell Wilson to Brady or, you know, Peyton Manning, it's a far cry because he's, you know, he's good as he is. He's not them. And I definitely agree with you in the fact that it's an outlier to an extent. The injuries, the coaching staff, he didn't want Brian Schottenheimer to be fired as OC. He doesn't like the new coordinator. I think it's uh, Shane Waldron, uh, just not meshing with his uh, play style. And they've had a down year. It happens. It seems like Seattle needs a reboot and he's an aging quarterback not being part of it. That's how the NFL goes. But, you know, we always say on this show, and it's true, a franchise quarterback, you know, a a rock-solid franchise quarterback is supposed to raise everything around you. You don't need everything perfect when you have a franchise quarterback. That's the beauty of it. So if Russell Wilson is that good, as he used to be, if Russell Wilson is that good to be worthy of a trade compensation package that includes multiple first-round picks, he needs to overcome, you know, not great play calling. He needs to overcome, you know, not great offensive line play. He needs to not be everything going perfect on every single play for the Broncos to win with him. So again, if that's what they're banking on, you can't look at the past and draw comparisons to Peyton Manning and Tom Brady because he's not. And I think the situation
3: will dictate that if they make that trade. Travis Weber, appreciate you, my friend. He says, Melvin Gordon says, and by the way, also Lawrence, before we grab Travis, thanks. Big love on stars tonight. Appreciate that. Uh, Back to Travis, who says Melvin Gordon says he wants to be here but feels unwanted by the fans. A lot to do with the departure of Lindsay except the fumble cues uh and Javante is RB1. But do you think Williams Gordon do you think the Williams and Gordon is a good duo or do you think Williams and Boone would be better? Look, I don't want to sell Melvin Gordon like short look when he came here he had a couple things going against him that had it that weren't his fault. Number one, he was a charger, right? But you know what? When Jamal Charles came here, Broncos fans didn't trip too hard on the fact that he used to be a Chief. They were just stoked to have Jamal Charles. What did Melvin in had again through no fault of his own was the implications on Philip Lindsay. You know, Broncos fans had in the in the depths of despair in the last the previous year and a half, two years. The only thing that, <clears throat> pardon me, fans really had to get excited about was Philip Lindsay. You know, that was all they had. And after you had John Elway say uh, on during the black Monday um, press conference, after he fired Vance Joseph's act, that they're going to take a look at Philip Lindsay, getting him extended early. Not only did that not happen, but then you went out and paid 8 million per year to a former charger. So I can understand why Broncos fans were miffed by that. It's not Melvin's fault per se, but the crap rolls downhill, and in this case, he's at the bottom, right? And so, I I definitely agree with him that I don't think Broncos fans have fully embraced Melvin, and I don't blame him for feeling that way, or perhaps even saying, "Look, can't wait till this season's all, uh, out of here. I'm I'm gonna you know hit the bricks and go find somewhere else."
2: I can't fault Melvin Gordon for accepting a sixteen million dollar contract. You know, he's you know I'm not gonna. You know, he's not going to say, no, I don't want that. That's okay. I'll play for less. I mean, no, that's took... too much.
3: Give it to Phillip, okay? Yeah. I'm, I'm...
2: He took what the Broncos gave him, and, you know, I'm fully okay with that. But if you watch Javante Williams play and if you watch Mike Boone play in the limited opportunity that he got when they finally dusted off the mothballs, he looked explosive. Running back, pass catching, pass blocking, he looked like a nice number two running back for the long term, and he's fairly cheap at that. Javante we all love him because he's a workhorse well you have to let him be a workhorse you can't have a workhorse that has a, a horse saddle to him as well and that's what Melvin Gordon is taking carries taking snaps away Melvin's good Javante can be great that's the difference Javante's much cheaper he's much better overall he's what the Broncos need a a, a, a shot of explosion and youth and dynamic dynamic can ever pronounce that you Dy- try. dynamicism. I see think it's it's, Dynamism. I think it's dynamism. dynamism? Okay. Yeah. Reminds me of diamond tab. I'm not going to say it, but he's, <laughs> he's just, he's, he's good, but not great. And that's my point. So I, I would want Javante to get the full share of RB one duties. If that means letting Melvin Gordon walk, so be it. He's going to want
3: his bag next year as well. And the Broncos should not pony up this time. Not this time. Not when you, I mean, look, maybe through the, uh, lens of of history it'll have been proven with beyond a shadow of a doubt that they made the right decision to pay melvin gordon instead of philip Lindsay. Yeah. the jury's still out on that it's not looking good for for philip's side of that equation right now but the jury's still out uh thank you Jamal. dynamism dynamism um, but uh you know it just wasn't meant to be i think for melvin in denver and he's been a solid well-rounded versatile back you lack some of those big explosive plays, but as when he holds on to the ball, he's yeah. definitely a plus. He's definitely an arrow in your quiver. Problem is you never know when that fumble is gonna come with a guy like him. And you know what? Javante Williams, although he hasn't really been had the problems of losing fumbles, he's been a little loosey-goosey with the ball as a rookie, too. Lane jumping in. Thank you, Lane says these coaches do not groom young quarterbacks and haven't in many years. We need to build an offense around them. Uh, the strengths of whoever the young QB is. Well, guess what? Rich Scangarello, for whatever he lacked as an X's and O's guy, as a tactician, right, he more than made up for, in my opinion, especially considering he was still kind of figuring things out on the job. It was his first NFL coordinator position. He made up for what he lacked in that experience department, Zach, with how good he was as a quarterback, whisperer, developer, teacher, I mean what he did to bridge the gap from the Drew Lock we saw in the third preseason game where he suffered that thumb injury as a rookie to the Drew Lock we saw from week 13 on when the Broncos in the matter of about a 24-hour window took him from IR to the starting lineup you credit Rich Gangarella now look Drew obviously deserves a lot of that credit too cuz he worked his behind off and uh, we don't need to recant all that right now but still recount all that but still they had a guy like that Fangio didn't want to deal with any any more learning curves, and that wasn't his hire. That was a hire made by John Elway with Vic Fangio's kind of, mm, all right, let's see how it goes. Didn't like how it went. Boom, gone. Pat Shermer. You know who I miss as well as T.C. McCartney. He was like 29 years
2: old as a quarterback's coach, and it seems like he got to Drew Locke. And communicated with him on a deeper level than Mike Shula or Pat Shermer have in their respective jobs. I still don't, I will never understand what possessed Vic Fangio to fire a coordinator in his rookie season, a young guy, up and coming guy from the Shanahan tree after going four and one with a rookie
3: quarterback and replacing him with Pat Shermer. Especially, and, Zach, when you delivered him, Vic, uh, uh, Joe Flacco, to start the season. Like, that's what you gave him as let's go to war? I mean, come on. I'm also ready to kind of throw away the idea that Mike Shula
2: is also this savior as well. I think given the play calling opportunities, he wasn't much different than Pat Shermer and he hasn't coaxed Teddy Bridgewater to be any better than he has in his career.
3: You can argue he's more turnover prone now than he's been in his career. Shout out to Lando. Don't call me Calrissian Lee with some stars. Thank you, big dog. Appreciate you. You the man. I want to grab one real quick here from, uh, A friend of ours and a big supporter, longtime listener in Darko down in Mexico. Good to see you, my friend. And guys, I found this out from Darko, who also has a Bronco podcast, by the way, in uh, Mexico. I I forget Darko the name of your partner, but they had me on the show. I don't know last last year at some point, which was a lot, a lot of fun. And I asked Darko, "I'm like, dude, that is such a dope name. Is that like was that the name your parents gave you, or was that is that like a nickname or something?" No. Darko is the name he was given at birth, and that is dope. Good to see you, buddy. He says, I could live with... It. By the way, oh, I don't have it in here. He also sent me a really dope uh, drum pad, so I still we, treasure that, my friend. It's it's, the, it's in this room. I just don't have it to grab and show. This podcast has the coolest first
2: names, you know, like Lando, Darko, Stone, Hell yeah. Stone Carrazo, Carazo, yeah.
3: Todd. <laughs> Love it. Darko, what's good? He says, I could live without Jerry Judy, but hell no. Javante has to be a Bronco all his career. Javante, Zach, has already earned some big-time love from fans. As he should. I mean, almost 200 scrimmage yards
2: with Teddy Bridgewater quarterback. And imagine what he can do with someone like Russell Wilson or... Aaron Rodgers, just in, just in keep of, you know Scott, I see you down there uh, he's glaring at me for making that comment. Just in terms of the stack boxes he won't be seeing with a bigger threat
3: under center, oh, that's all I'm saying. Man, could you imagine that? Look at what he did. All of Javante's production in his one start, and then we're going to grab Andrew, with the Chiefs completely saying, we know you're going to run it and we're going to sell out because we don't think you, you have the exactly testicular fortitude to test us with... Teddy Bridgewater's right arm, and he still trucked dudes. He still was breaking tackles on first contact, producing. Then you give him a Peyton Manning-esque
0: light box. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies.
3: because everyone's afraid of getting torched i can only imagine andrew says here's for broncos country feeling good number one we haven't had meaningful december games in a while good point number two this team hasn't been on an uptrend in a while and number three we still have a chance even if it's a small one hashtag mhh for life hashtag don't worry be happy i love the optimism my friend and it does feel good to know finally Might not work out in our favor, but the Broncos are in the thick of it, to quote uh, George Payton down the stretch. I mean, the standards have fallen so
2: far. It used to be from winning Super Bowls, now it's having meaningful December games. And, you know, facing the Lions on Sunday, that's the game Broncos country is supposed to get up for so they can disappoint the following week, Chad, like they have every other time this year. You know, you have to be realistic and objective in looking at the Broncos, even if they sneak in by some miracle, does anyone have any faith they're going to make it past the first round? And all it would do is give the coaching staff a false sense of security, job security, and bring back Fangio for another year more than likely. So if you
3: hate this coaching staff, I don't know that you would like the playoffs. Lawrence. Hey, thank you for the stars tonight. Thank you for contributing to the conversation. My friend, we'll see you. We'll see you next time. Um, by the way, Michaela, what is the link for the GoFundMe? I just, I'll just i post it in the chat one more time so everyone can check it out for the Boynton girls. Michael Ronquillo, what's going on, my friend? Down in Tucson, good to see you. Thank you for the stars. Much love, David Wilder. He's wilding out on us. Here he goes. Addition by subtraction, says David. Getting rid of this coaching staff will make this team better next year. MHH for life, Denver Broncos for life. Yeah, and then just imagine, Zach, they actually get the hire right. All things become possible again, especially if you saddle that new correctly made decision hire head coach with a bona fide Q, whether it's a Russ, whether it's an Aaron Rodgers, or a hand picked quarterback in the first
2: round. I think it could be multiplication by subtraction. I mean, double the Broncos wins. If they finish, you know, let's say six wins this year, you can make 12 wins with a better coaching staff and better quarterback. They have the defense in place. They have a lot of the offensive pieces in place. All they're missing is the play calling, the coaching on the sideline and the quarterback. I mean, that could, they get those things next year. They're going to be
3: an instant playoff contender. Diamond Rattler in the house, dropping some support this morning on Broncos for breakfast, dropping some support tonight on the huddle up podcast really appreciate you my friend thank you for that means a lot helps keep the lights on you know this travis weber you as well my friend um okay zach we don't have all that much time left i mean we're at 35 minutes and i got to keep but tonight a little bit tight so let's let's take it's, a quick it's that we'll, time of the week yeah indeed let's uh let's examine this matchup all right Some head-to-head action and see exactly what team... What a barn burner this is. What caliber team the Broncos must reckon with this year. As you know, green means top 10. uh, Red means bottom 10. Black in the middle. Broncos 6-6. and Lions 1-10-1. Broncos still... um, Well, no, they were plus one going into last week. So now they're minus one. That means they've dropped uh, in the turnover margin, Zach. They're still top 10 in time of possession. Meanwhile, the Lions are right there with them, minus two in the turnover differential. And they're one of the worst teams in possessing the football. Ranked 29th, Zach, what what jumps out to you here? Yeah, they're the Lions. They're 1-10-1. It's
2: not surprising. with a lot of red there. They can't do most things right. I mean, it's just so uninspiring. I'd rather read Jess's comment here where he says, nice to see number 26 running back with a visor again. Mike Boone looks dope. You know, just running the ball. He looks very menacing. I think he has a lot of juice to him. That's
3: why I'd love to see him as the full-time RB2 next year. Dude, I I agree with that sentiment, the 26 thing. Like, from Portis on, I always – the number 26 to me was always just dope. Before Portis, man, 26 was like a no-namer type number. Took some stones if you're Tatum Bell and the Broncos just traded Clinton Portis to Washington. And with that second-round pick, you know, they got Champ Bailey plus a little draft capital. But with that second-round pick, the Broncos draft you. I think Oklahoma State, if I'm not mistaken, right, Scott? Tatum Bell? Either way, you take that number right, about right out of the gates. You take 26. That took some stones. And although he didn't pan out as a Clinton Portis type back for the Broncos, he had a couple of seasons where he was very, very good. Cracked a, Did he crack a 1,000? I know he's almost right at a 1,000. At least once, maybe twice, but either way, um, Zach back to let's uh, the head to head, let's look at the offense. Ugh. So, your Denver Broncos, I just want to take a quick peek. Okay, they got two top 10 rankings, we'll get to them. Lions have one, all right. Yards per game, the Broncos are 20th, Lions are 27th, all right. So, barely are the Broncos kind of hanging on to middle of the road territory there. Points per game, yeesh. Look at your Broncos still can't get over the hump. 20 points come on man teddy was supposed to solve this let's go 19.8 ranked 23rd lions though hey only three teams have averaged fewer points than the lions 16.9 this year as a rushing offense the lions are ranked 20th broncos are ranked 12th just outside the top 10 keep feeding javante and you'll climb into the top 10 trust uh passing yards per game zach broncos are 18th and the lions this surprises me a little Maybe it's because the complexion of their games, Zach, isn't hasn't been like pure blowouts. They've been mostly competitive in a lot of these games, or else you would expect to see their net passing per game rankings be higher because of garbage time. Jared Goff. That's that's the answer. Jared Goff. Jared Goff, indeed. Uh both teams have only been picked off nine times, and that ranks them in the top ten in terms of fewest interceptions. Uh barely. They're at 10. Both they're tied at 10. Fumbles lost, Broncos are uh, 16th with six lost, and the Lions 21st with seven. Total giveaways, the Broncos are ranked 10th in the NFL with only 15, while the Lions are right behind them uh, with 16 giveaways. And then you look at the sacks allowed, and these these are twins, right? The Broncos have allowed 32 sacks. The Lions have allowed 31. And then again, you start becoming twins on third down in the red zone. The Broncos, horrendous in. The red zone at fifty-two and a half of percent of their trips inside the twenty are they converting into touchdowns, and on third down, they're only moving the chains. Zach, a pitiful, a truly sad, thirty-six point eight percent of the time, ranking them twenty-fourth. Meanwhile, there is not a worse third down offense in the NFL than the Lions. They're only converting thirty-one and a half percent of their third down tries. In the red zone, they're a little bit better than that, but they're still a, just a hair, two and a half percentage points, Zach, behind the Broncos, converting um, 50% and break 29th. So there's there's your offensive snapshot of these two teams head-to-head. And frankly, Zach, it kind of terrifies me how similar these these rankings are. Yeah, that's
2: a good point. Yeah, it's not surprising to see. I'm not really going to talk about Detroit too much, but you can argue that the Broncos, the three departments there, they're finishing red in, mm-hmm. are the three worst you can finish the red in. Sacks allowed, third down in red zone. I mean, like you said, that's what Teddy Bridgewater was supposed to fix. And even after losing K.J. Hamler, even after the injuries and all that nonsense, you still have the weapons to be better than those numbers. So, again, falls on Pat Schumer, falls on the quarterbacking. At this point, though, week 14, after saying it for the last 13 weeks, I'm not
3: surprised at all. Let's look at these defenses. Broncos still have plenty of green on that side of the ball. Top 10 in net yards per game allowed with uh, 32 and a half or 325 and a half, pardon me, yards per game, ranks eighth. Lions, there's only three defenses worse than yards per game. They're ranked 29th, 381 yards per game. Uh, points per game, the Broncos are giving up 18.2. There are only two teams in the league who are allowing fewer points per game than the Denver Broncos. That's one thing that they can definitely hang their hat on. The Lions, they're tied for 27th, allowing a whopping, Zach, 26.3 points per game. Broncos are now a top 10 rushing defense and a top 10 passing defense. Um, Lions, 28th against the run, 21st against the pass. Interceptions, though, this is where you start as far as the kind of some of the key metrics. Takeaways, the Broncos still still lag. They have 11 total interceptions, which ranks them kind of middle of the road, tied for 13th. Fumble recoveries, they only have three, which is tied for 29th. Total takeaway is 14, which is tied for 17th, like literally middle of the road. Meanwhile, the Lions have eight picks, six fumble recoveries, and also tied with the Broncos, 14 total takeaways. I mean, that's just pitiful for how much talent is on that side of the ball for the Denver Broncos. Sacks, though, and by the way, this is a typo here on sacks. Um, I don't know what the <laughs> true number is, but God bless the Broncos PR department. They're for, getting a little um, aggressive, I feel like for what they do to send us this stuff, but that's that's a number. <laughs> but we can probably trust, those, Zach, that it's tied for 14th, whatever it is. Uh, meanwhile, the Lions, only 19, two teams only that are worse than that. And then third down, the Broncos are the 29th-ranked third-down defense. Honestly, Zach, if you want to really boil it down, you can get to the, the lack of sacks. You can get to the lack of uh, takeaways for the defense. But I think their biggest Achilles heel has been this third down. Problem. They just can't get teams off the field on third down. They're 29th ranked. But in the red zone, they've climbed back into the top 10 because that dipped into the 20s. Now they're in the top 10, ranked ninth in the red zone. And you know, Lions, for example, though, uh, 42% conversion on third down, ranked 22nd and then 71% they're allowing to convert in the red zone wow. tied for 29th. So there's your defensive snapshot. Chad, I think you made a really good point. They shouldn't be similar. You know, side by side, they shouldn't be
2: within the same realm in terms of defensive talent on the two teams, the Broncos are rolled beaters compared to Detroit. So when they're tied for, I think it's in takeaways, they're both tied for 17th, and the Broncos are actually worse on third down by seven marks. They're, they're seven places worse than Detroit on third down. They're 44% on third down. The highest paid defense in the NFL with the mastermind Vic Fangio. That is the problem there. They have so much talent that they should be better in these rankings, on the scoreboard, you know, in the stat sheet, in the win-loss column, column, and they're not. It's That's the sad part. The coaching
3: staff still and will always hold this team back. Pretty sure the Broncos have 32 sacks on the year, by the way. Um, compared to nineteen for the Detroit Lions. And then if you just look over here for a second, let's let's look at some of the team leaders in the box score. You
2: I, I bet the average fan cannot name one person from the Lions defense.
3: Whereas probably most not. Are the Broncos. Probably not. But let's look at these numbers real quick. Bridgewater has Goff by about 200 yards passing on the season. All right. Rushing, you've got Javante leading the way with 670, and Melvin's right behind him. Uh, Swift has 555. They've, they've got a decent pair of He's backs. also hurt. Right. Uh Receiving yards, Hawkinson leads the team. That's how you know, Zach. At least I they're mean, using what, their tight end. They're using him, but it's still not crazy numbers. I mean, Noah Fant has 424. He's ranked third. Hawkinson, Second leading receiver is a running back. Look, <laughs> what's like, hurt. Right. Yes. And Fant, though, I mean, if you look at it like this, he's won big game. Behind Hawkinson, in terms of production. That's it. If they could just get one big kind of blowout, breakout game for Noah offense, he'd be right there with his former Iowa teammate. Uh, let me see. Interceptions, Simmons and Pat Sertan tied for the team lead in Denver with four. I always butcher this dude's name. Can you say it? A- Aruwarier. Thank you. He's got five, though. Nailed Props it. to him um anyway we're we're kind of lingering here maybe a little bit too long because we're we don't have all the time in the world but there's your there's your head to head okay um this is a team obviously that if the broncos come to play with that swagger and loose confidence that they've that they had the first three games that they had against the cowboys that they had against the chargers this is a team that they should easily squash but hey you know the saying it is the season if ifs and buts for candy and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas, right? Here's my
2: bold prediction for the game, though: the Broncos' defense will score more touchdowns than the Broncos' offense.
3: Boom! Pat uh, McCracken says, "How many draft picks would it take to get Russell Wilson? Uh, two, two ones, probably. As Zach said, at the floor is two threes, so four at minimum, and those two threes could end up being two twos. Well, I mean, just depends on what the market is, you know." And at the same time, it's not just market because, obviously, if he really is open Zach to waiving his no-trade clause, that would also imply that he'd have to be okay with the – I mean, we know he'd have to be okay with the team that he goes to, which also narrows the uh, competitive field. So, for example, let's say uh, New Orleans, Houston, uh, Miami, pick teams, right, and the Broncos, all these teams, uh, New York Giants, whatever, they're all competing – for let's pony up, usually in the marketplace, it's whoever is willing to pay the most, right? Supply and demand, that's who ends up getting it. But there could be a team out there, Zach, that is willing to offer more for Russ Wilson, but he's not willing to go there and waive his no-trade clause. The Broncos, or it's a little bit less, but he wants to land in Denver. So it could end up being something like that, where he lands here maybe a little bit cheaper than you expect, but just don't count on it.
2: Yeah, I, I, there also could be some sort of like pick swap scenario, like they're swapping sixth and seventh round picks as just like throw in bonus uh, features to that trade. But uh, yeah, I think it'll be minimum four for Russell Wilson, and uh, he, he will have a chance to hand pick his next destination, but from Seattle's point of view, they probably want him out of the NFC. So out of the three teams that he's okay with, Chicago, New York, and Denver, only one is not in the NFC where
3: Seattle plays. So I feel like that can work in Denver's favor. And same with the Green Bay situation with Rodgers. Travis, appreciate you, my friend. Also appreciate Albert Knoppers. He says, I could see Melvin coming back next year. Combined with Williams, the two of them are great. I couldn't see it. Unless, Unless Melvin Gordon's willing to play for peanuts. The Broncos just don't need to allocate north of 5 million and he's making 8 million now, right Albert. Next year, you know, when he hits the market again, it's going to be his last chance to really earn as a as a running back, Zach. He he's probably going to be able to find a deal out there 5 million at the floor, 4 4 at the floor, probably 4 5 6 million. You don't need to pay Melvin Gordon that much money when you have Pookie and what we've seen so far from Mike Boone, I mean, very intriguing. He'd have to be okay playing behind Javante
2: as well. I don't really see Melvin Gordon doing that when he knows a starting job is out there. He could probably get one for next season, maybe on a prove it deal, maybe on a multi year deal. I don't know, but the future of the Broncos backfield is Pookie Williams, not Melvin Gordon. And I think the the, you know the the two year deal is up. He was here, he made his mark. It's time to
3: go. Guys, I'm sorry that we got to get out of here a little bit early tonight, but uh, we do. I've got some things cooking. So thank you very, very much for what has been another great week of podcasting here for Zach and myself on the Huddle Up podcast. Zach, I know you'll take care of the rundown, getting us out of here. Yes, sir. Michael predicting Broncos 28-10. We'll save our predictions for the roundtable tomorrow at milehighhuddle.com. Go read that, guys. Look for that. But you do the rundown, my friend. Thanks for tuning in with
2: us tonight for
3: another great
2: Thursday end of the week head-to-head, mile-high mailbag episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We'll be back on for the Gut Reaction pod after the Broncos-Lions game on Sunday. But until that time, follow us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account for all your Broncos news, stats, rumors, film breakdowns, and more. And we got Stone hopping in here with some nice stars. Appreciate you, Stone, so much. Thank you. At Mile High Huddle follow us on Twitter for the Mothership MHH account. Follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy and go to huddleuppod.com right now and get your swag on. Get yourself a shirt, hat, coffee cup hoodie, etc, etc, right there. HuddleUpPod.com. Also, Facebook.com slash MileHighHuddle. Hit that big blue button today because the next time you see me, necessarily, is not the Huddle Up Podcast. It is Kelberman's Corner coming live at halftime of Detroit and Denver on Sunday. We also have uh, Broncos Book Club with Chad, Trickle Zone with Eric. Three exclusive shows at your fingertips by going to facebook.com slash Myla Hit that big blue button. Five bucks a month, worth every penny. I promise you that. Also, facebook.com slash Myla Huddle Pod. Like that page and follow that page. And if you haven't, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five star review for a chance to win a hoodie, shirt, coffee cup each and every month. But if you can't do any of those things, do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share this video. And every video you see on the MHA channel helps
3: us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. I'm seriously so proud of our community, our audience. I mean, you guys, when we ask you for something, you deliver. Uh, we're already seeing the numbers climb for wow. Duke on uh, GoFundMe. Awesome. I'm gonna I'm, I'm going to throw, Michaela's already jumping in. I've seen Big Kev Peterson. Uh, I've seen a few different people jumping in there. So we... Really love and appreciate you guys for doing that. I'm going to throw it in one more time to the chat. Uh, but let me show you guys who else we're very, very grateful for. And it's these fine folk for supporting us on Facebook. Lawrence finishes today on top. Very cool to see. Thank you, Lawrence. Travis Weber right behind him. You the man. Big T. Andrew Baker. Love you, buddy. Michael. Colby or uh, Triple C in the hizzy. Stone right there. Lando. Don't call me Calrissian. Lee. Yvonne, Claude, David Wilder, Lane Meyer, much love to you guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. And a shout-out and mile-high salute to all of our Super Chat superstars. We ran out of time to show the update on uh, Super Chat. But, hey, there's still plenty of this month left to go to rise in the power ranking on Super Chat to get in position to be in that raffle for the Broncos jersey of the winner's choosing. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll circle back and show you the update on that when we're – going gut reaction style on Sunday. Chad Scott, have a great weekend guys,
2: everyone you, out there for tuning in, have a great weekend, take care. And as always, till we see you guys next time, go Broncos.
1: You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com
0: to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration's pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies.
1: you